0: I think I'm probably right in saying that for some of you, um, this last 30 minutes isn't quite what you expected uh, when you came along to church on Easter Sunday morning. Um, But for those of you that have come Easter Sunday morning and you normally come to church and you do church and you say, it's Easter Sunday and it's 30 minutes and we haven't sung yet, don't worry, it's coming, okay? For those of you that are, great, we're at church and you haven't asked us to sing yet, it's coming, Alright for you as well. Hi, hi my name is Leon uh, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church and I want to say something that won't come as a shock to you because I'm the pastor of the church. I am a Christian or as I like to say it I am a follower of Jesus uh, and if I only had one shot to talk to someone about why I'm a follower of Jesus and why I would want to invite you to consider that as well I would not talk about the church. And I love the church, like I love this church. This church is amazing. But I love the church wherever it is. You know, we have a church um, in Duras in Albania. They may be tuning in right now on the live stream, I don't know. But I love those guys. I love that church. I woke up this morning to to the news that there have been some churches bombed in Sri Lanka. Part of the ongoing... uh, terrorism and difficulty that there is around the world and our hearts go out to to guys like that. I love the church but I wouldn't talk to you about the church if I had one shot to talk to you about why I'm a follower of Jesus and the reason is church isn't perfect and uh, we've all had, maybe you have here this morning or if you're watching, you've had some bad experiences of church I I love this story. Um, It's an old story. I've told it many times. Some of you will have heard it a lot of times. But I just love it Um, because it's it's set in in an old church, a traditional church. And all around the walls, there are plaques with lots of names of people from the Army and the Navy and the Air Force. And there's a little kid sitting in church with his mom one Sunday. And he's really, really bored. And he's looking around and seeing all these names. He says, hey, mom. He says, who are all those names on the wall? And she says, they're people who've died in the services. Some of you are going where I'm going. To which she says, he said, was it the morning service or the evening service? You know, Because the best one in the world, church can be like that. I don't know if you've ever seen that Mr. Bean sketch a few years ago where he sat in church on the front and he's trying to keep awake and he doesn't know when to stand up and sit down and and when to sing. And church can be a little bit awkward like that. And Some of those kind of funny notices that some of you will have heard. Again, these are so old, but I still think they're funny. These are the kind of things that actually happen in church. Like here here was an announcement in church. Bertha Belch, a missionary from Africa, will be speaking tonight at Calvary Methodist. Come here, Bertha Belch. All the way from Africa. Wasn't quite what she meant. And, and then here, don't let worry kill you. Let the church help. It really can. Let us join David and Lisa in the celebration of their wedding and bring their happiness to a conclusion. Don't think that's quite what you meant. And then the last one: at the evening service tonight, the sermon topic will be: what is hell? Come early and listen to our choir practice. Again. You see, some things happen in church. You think, oh, if I had one chance, I wouldn't talk to you about church. And I wouldn't actually talk to you about a Christian neither. Because the reality is Christians, we are all human. We are imperfect. Some of us cut up people on the road. Yeah, some of you are looking around a little bit now. We're, 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 We're not perfect. Uh, So I wouldn't talk to you about that if I only had one shot. And I wouldn't talk to you about the Bible, neither. Because actually, the Bible didn't launch Christianity. In fact, there was no Bible for 300 years and the church was alive and well. If I had one shot to talk to you about why you should think about being a follower of Jesus, it would be an event, a single event that changed everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what I talked to you about. And as it happens, that's what I'm going to talk to you about this morning for the next 10 minutes or so. And I want to go broader than just those of you that are not sure whether God exists or, or you say I'm not a Jesus follower. I want to go broader than that. I want to talk to three groups of people this morning. Firstly, all of you who believe and sometimes wonder, is it really true? You know who you are. Like me, you, you believe, but there are those moments in your life, maybe now, Where there's pain and there's difficulty. And you're not sure whether you say, yeah, I believe, but I wonder, is it really true? I want to talk to you this morning. And then there's a second group and and you wonder why people actually believe in it at all. You're like, why are you believing in this? I want to talk to you. Then I also want to talk to a third group. Some of you used to believe, but now you don't. And you wonder whether you can again. Maybe life happened or maybe you were put off in church and you maybe had a bad service experience or, or a Christian cut you up on the road of life and you stop believing and you stop following and you wonder, can you ever believe again? I want to talk to you this morning. You see, the resurrection changes everything. And I've already said it, without the resurrection, there would be no Bible. The Bible didn't create the resurrection. The resurrection created the Bible Without it, there would be no story of Jesus worth telling. And without the resurrection, there would be no Christianity at all. Christianity didn't create the resurrection. The resurrection created Christianity. If this is true, it's game on. If this is not true, it's game over. And if you're a Jesus follower this morning, I want you to know the basis of your hope and of your faith again on Easter Sunday. If you're not sure, I want you to know the basis of our hope on Easter Sunday and it can be your basis as well. One of the problems we have when it comes to Jesus is these kind of characters. These kind of characters, this kind of character, this kind of character, this kind of character. You see, what we often do is we put Jesus in the same bracket as the unicorn and the, and the, and the, the pixie and the, and, and the Superman and the Thor. Any Marvel fans in the house this morning? How many Marvel f- films can possibly be made on planet Earth? Do you know what I mean? But the problem is with all of this and Game of Thrones is back on and there's, there's this fantasy and this superhero. And this is that we then can put Jesus in the same kind of category. And so we can see him and maybe many of you here today are watching and you think Jesus is a myth or a fairy tale or a legend. But I want to give you three reasons this morning why I don't believe Jesus is a myth, a fairy tale or a legend. There's loads, but I want to just give you three. Number one, he actually existed. Unlike Thor, he actually existed historically proven and accurate. I read an article in the Guardian newspaper this week, which, which wasn't written by a, a Christians at all. It was written by just a journalist. And he was saying that when you look at the evidence for the existence of Jesus, it is overwhelmingly conclusive. No no right-minded historian, atheist or believer, ever disputes the existence of Jesus now. You know, I, I was told this, oh, it's a figment of your imagination. Or the church made him up. Not at all. Not at all. In fact, um, this is what it said um, it, in the article. It said, it said when, you come to, when you come to talk about legends, the gap between when the event supposed to have took place and when it was recorded, the longer the gap, the more likely it is to be a legend. For instance, King Arthur. King Arthur, 500 years after he was supposed to exist. That's the first record that we have of King Arthur. But with Jesus, it's just a few years. It's incredible. And he says this in the article. These abundant historical references leave us with little reasonable doubt that Jesus lived and died. The more interesting question, which goes beyond history and objective fact, is whether Jesus died and lived. But he actually existed. Number two his followers fully expected him to stay dead. That media piece you saw when we started this morning, you know, of Mary going to the tomb, she didn't go expecting to see Jesus risen. She went expecting to see a stone and she didn't really know how she was going to move the stone and tend to the body, but she didn't expect, in fact, all of the people that went, they didn't say, oh, he is risen. They said, who stole the body? Because ladies and gentlemen, nobody, nobody expected nobody. The next slide, please. Nobody expected no body. That was just a complete shock to everybody that turned up. That makes me think, actually, that you didn't just make this up. You, you, you fully expected him to be there dead. Nobody expected no body. But the third thing, and this is what I want to major on. The third reason why I want, I want to say for me, just the resurrection, why I know the resurrection is true, is because people actually saw him risen from the dead. We're going to go and look at some writing that a guy called the Apostle Paul wrote. He wrote a letter to a church called Corinth, a church that he started in 1 Corinthians 15. And he says this, I passed on to you what was most important and what and uh, what had also been passed on to me. What he's saying is this, I was told some stuff which is most important because it changes everything. And I want to tell you and pass on that stuff. Now, myths, fairy tales and legends take you know, the longer they are from the time, the more you can dispute it. But for, for, for this, for the Jesus story, Paul writes this letter in AD 55. He went to Corinth and planted the church. Well, he planted the church in AD 52. He actually first went in AD 44. He became a follower of Jesus in around AD 37. It's just a few years after Jesus many of the people who saw Jesus in the flesh and risen from the dead, Paul went and spoke to. And that's what he's saying. He's basically saying this. I'm about to tell you what somebody told me that I told you when I was with you. When I was with you, I told you what they told me. Now I'm writing about what I told you that they told me that I told you about when I was with you. You got that? <laughs> you got that? Some of you are writing notes like that. I'm trying to write notes here. Basically, he's saying, hey, I passed on. What other people told me, and they saw him. They saw him. And then he says this, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. In the first century, most people didn't read or write. So if they wanted to pass on things, they had to find a way of passing that on. And they, they often created some phrases which was called, were called creeds. And so it was like Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose from the dead and was seen. Christ died for our sins and was buried. He rose. That was like a creed. That's what Paul's saying. He said, hey, I've talked to all these guys and they saw, they saw Jesus buried and they saw him risen. And they met him. Then it says this. You see, he was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. So we can talk to them, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. So does all this prove that Jesus was who he claimed to be and that he rose from the dead? Absolutely not. But what it does do is it gives you a body of evidence that you've got to look at and say, that's interesting. Or you've got to choose to totally reject it. Because it's not myth, fairy tale or legend that he lived it's not myth, fairy tale, legend that he died. And it's not myth, fairy tale, or legend that hundreds of people claim to have seen him. So you've got to do something with that information. Maybe, maybe they all lied. Maybe all those hundreds of people lied. In which case, nearly all of them, nearly all of them suffered horrendous persecution. And many of them suffered death for a lie that they knew to be a lie. That's quite incredulous. Many people die for all kinds of things these days, but they believe it to be true. If you know it's not true, do you actually do that? Some of you will be old enough to remember the Watergate scandal. Anyone remember the Watergate? You think political scandals are only nowadays. They're not in the 70s. Big, big, big Watergate scandal. And Charles Colson was one of those guys caught up in it and went to prison for it where he became a follower of Jesus. And he writes this, I know the resurrection is a fact and Watergate proved it to me. How? How? Because 12 men testified they'd seen Jesus raised from the dead. Then they proclaimed that truth for 40 years, never once denying it. Everyone was beaten, tortured, stoned and put in prison. They would not have endured that if it weren't true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 disciples could keep a lie for 40 years Absolutely impossible. I'm not sure that they lied. Maybe they were all crazy, all of them. Again, 500 plus. And Paul, I mean, historians, people who are atheists, not believers, not, not Jesus followers, they say Paul was one of the most intelligent men who had ever lived. His writings shaped much of Western culture and civilization. And he was crazy. So all these men and women, if they were lying or they were crazy, they showed incredible courage throughout the whole of their lives. So you can't easily scare men and women who have no fear of death. And one of the things I love about the early church is that they coined a phrase, they were the first to coin a phrase um, when they said, oh, they've fallen asleep, meaning they've died. And they coined that phrase, they've fallen asleep, to, to talk about death. Because actually, when you fall asleep, usually you wake up again. And because they saw Jesus, who'd fallen asleep, wake up. They had breakfast with him on the beach. So to them, death was just falling asleep because we're going to wake up again. It's beautiful. You cannot scare easily people who have no fear of death. And then finally, Paul says this. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Now, Paul didn't actually see Jesus in the same way that others did. But, but Paul, was, um, Paul, Paul was a... God-fearing man, but he was really anti-Jesus, and he was anti-the church, and he was really against it, and he was persecuting the church, and he was on a trip one day uh, to a city called Damascus, and he had an encounter with Jesus, and he knew it was the resurrected Jesus who kind of appeared to him. I know that sounds spooky, but it changed his whole life. He went from being a hater of Christians to being a church planter. To being someone who started churches, who wrote, who ultimately was beheaded for being a follower of Jesus, Paul was widely considered by scholars, believing and unbelieving, as an incredible human being whose writing shaped much of the Western culture and civilization. In fact, if Paul had a Twitter account, I think it would be this one: Apostle Paul at the dot All right, that's what he would be. Or his URL might be, was Saul got the call, now Paul.com. Something like that. Because he was immense, a huge character on the planet. But that wasn't his view of himself. Listen to the next verse. For I am the least of all the apostles, says Paul. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. Like, I shouldn't get anything from God because of the way I treated him. But you know what? I have. I'm the least of anyone. That's how he says it. And yet Jesus has changed my life. You see, one of the most compelling arguments isn't just all the history and the data and the records and the writings. The most compelling evidence, ladies and gentlemen, for the resurrection of Jesus Christ is changed lives. The Apostle Paul's changed life. Last weekend here in this church, we baptised around 14 people. And uh, many of them stood on this platform last Sunday and said things like, Oh, you used to be an atheist, but now I've met Jesus and I'm following him. And all incredible stories from all different kinds of life. Myths, fairy tales, and legends don't change your life. Lee Strobel was um, a, um, uh, a journalist who was also a lawyer. He was a legal journalist. Uh, worked for the Chicago Tribune in America and um, he was a committed atheist and one Sunday his wife came back from being out Sunday morning and he said where where do you go you like every Sunday morning you, you started disappearing and she says I've started going to church and he was really mad and he went to the church to check him out. And, uh, 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 and he basically went, he started to think, well, I'm, I'm going to prove to her uh, you know, that this is a load of rubbish. And so he went and began a whole process of investigating Christianity and looked at the facts and everything and to, to try and prove to his wife that it was complete junk that she was, you know, kind of getting into. He wrote this. In the end, after I'd thoroughly investigated the matter, I reached an unexpected conclusion. It would actually take more faith To maintain my atheism than to believe and to become a follower of Jesus. And that's why I'm now celebrating my 30th Easter as a Christian. Not because of wishful thinking, the fear of death, or the need for a psychological crutch, but because of the facts. So I want to invite you this morning to have a think again about the facts about the resurrection of Jesus. And if you know it's true, to celebrate and to be thankful to God for the truth of this. And if you're not quite so sure, Or maybe you think, no, I'm absolutely sure there's not. I'm going to invite you to think again. And if you used to believe it, but now life has distracted you and taken you away, I want to invite you to believe again. This is the single event that changes everything. Without it, there would be no Bible. Without it, there would be no Christianity. You see, the resurrection is not a belief that grew up in the early church. It's the belief around which the early church grew up. They had no Bible, folks. They had no Bible for 300 years. And yet the church was at its most potent and life-giving probably in those 300 years. They didn't have any of that, but they had the resurrection. They had the resurrection. Without it, there would be no forgiveness. One of our deepest needs as human beings is to be forgiven and know that we're forgiven and know that we're clean and to know that we can have that peace that all of us seek Deep on the inside. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, God put the wrong on him, that's Jesus, who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. There's a Spanish story of a father and son who'd become estranged. I don't know what it's like for you. I know around Christmas it can be a bit like this with families, but maybe it's like it around Easter. You think about some of your family tensions. Anyway, the son ran away and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate attempt to find him, the father put an ad in a Madrid newspaper. The ad read Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up, all read the newspaper. All were desperate for that forgiveness and that relationship to be restored with their Father. And I think deep down on the inside of every single human being, and we might not know it or articulate it, there's something we know is missing and we know it's that relationship with our Father. The resurrection literally changes everything. Because of this event, death is not the end for you or if you loved ones, because of this event, the suffering, pain and difficulty you are going through or, gone through or gone through will be redeemed and transformed. And because of this event, you can know and have hope and that changes everything. So for those of you who, like me, believe but sometimes wonder if it's true, I want you to know on Easter Sunday, your hope is not in vain. Your faith is not in vain. And for those of you who wonder why people actually believe Now you know. Now you know. And I want to invite you to check that out. And for those of you, thirdly, who used to believe but have stopped believing, I want to invite you to believe again. Just to give you a bit of time to think about that, Abby and the band are going to come back and sing. And This is a song that Abby and her husband, Chris, part of our church, have written. So you guys are the first guys to hear this song. Well, actually you aren't because the first service heard it before you. But you are. This is a great song that these guys have written. And it kind of just tells this whole story in a song. And as Abby declares out the chorus, you know, just, okay, that's what we're talking about. Because this song literally declares what we're trying to declare to you today. This changes everything. Guys, that's such an incredible song, isn't it? just written for this moment, written for you guys here today to try and communicate what we believe is the event that changes everything. And I, I want to ask you, you know, if you are someone today and, and, and you don't class yourself as a Jesus follower, maybe maybe you didn't believe this at all before or you don't now or, or maybe you used to believe but you don't anymore. I want to encourage you to do something outside of this room, beyond today. It's great that you're here. We're so glad that you're here. I want to encourage you to come back not to this church if you don't want to go to another church but if you're around here or in Hagley or Rowley or Elzone we'd love you to come back in fact on on your seat you've got this flyer we'd love you to take that with you on the one side talks about our new series that starts next Sunday runs for five or six weeks called live your best life there's a lot of that out on social media what does it mean to live your best life but you know from God's perspective what's what we want to look at you know we're going to talk about things like courage and comparison and you know identity and living beyond yourself some of these brilliant things that if you're not yet a, a Christian this is great stuff to feed into your life but if, if you're not yet sure whether you are a Jesus follower or not we run something here called the Alpha Course literally millions of people have, have done this all over the world in fact many of the people that got baptized last Sunday had been on the Alpha Course as well and it's, it's an eight-week uh, process. It's, it's called a course, but it's not as formal as that. It's relational. There's food. You sit around tables. There's a little presentation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, uh, and then you can ask questions, any question you like. And um, the next course that we're running is on May the 2nd, Thursday, May the 2nd, not here, but in Hagley. It's in a pub called the King Arthur Pub uh, on the high street in Hagley. And It'd be great. There's people already signed up for that. We'd love you to join with us on that if you can. You can sign up in the connection point or you can go on our website and uh, sign up for that as well. But right now, we're going to encourage you and invite you and we're going to sing. Alright, it's quite a while you've been sat there, but we are really going to sing. And I want to encourage you, don't just sing, sing. Do you know what I mean? The Americans will get you saying that's what the Americans would say down the south. We want you to really sing, okay, because this is an amazing day. So I want to invite you to stand with me. Why don't you stand? And, and as we sing and celebrate about this day that changed everything, I want to invite you, those of you that know it's true, really sing it and thank God for what He's done for you. Those of you that are not quite sure, maybe listen to the words. If you want to sing, sing. Maybe look around and think, hey, they really believe it. Maybe you don't believe it, but we hope you believe that we believe it. Because we do, and many of us would say, there was a day when we didn't believe it either. But Jesus changed our lives because He's not dead. He is not a myth, a fairy tale, or a legend. He is alive, amen? He is alive and He is here by His Spirit. Let's celebrate.